Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. It is the weekend. Let's get ready for it. We've got a great show coming your way. An amazing conversation with Dave Rubin. Dave has been a friend, a supporter, um, a leader in independent media. The thing that's so interesting about Dave, he was a former progressive liberal who turned conservative. Uh, he's been out there as a champion of going after conservative causes, taking on progressive ones, good friend of Jordan Peterson's. And I think, as I said, really at the forefront of independent media, he developed Locals.com, where you know that I've asked people to go to help me. It's sort of the substack for the right. So you can go there and develop things. He's a best-selling author. He uh, wrote Don't Burn This Book, which I highly recommend. Uh, it's, it's a great story that Dave tells um, about his sort of evolution from progressives when he worked on the Young Turks uh, and, and sort of started to realize that the policies that were being pushed by the left do not make sense. Uh, he, as I said, is about to start his 11th year in independent media. He's got a brand new studio. We're going to introduce you to that studio. Let's get into it. All right. Just my daily reminder to you, if you are watching on YouTube, Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification button. That is so important to us. Rumble, same thing, folks. If you're watching on the first, thank you for that. Also, make sure you're subscribing to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, again, all the platforms help us. They help us with our sponsors, so I really appreciate that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. It is time to introduce uh, our guest today, Dave Rubin. Dave is in his 11th year with the, uh, an independent television. The Rubin Report has a brand new studio that he debuted this week. Dave and I were in Milwaukee together talking on the debate. I appeared on his show, which he came back from, this annual sojourn that he takes where he unplugs from everything. No social media, no phones, no newspapers, no nothing. He literally goes a month without any interaction except for his family. So when he gets right back, which is basically this week, people have to tell him, here's what happened over the last 30 days to fill him in, um, which is great. He. Um, the Rubin Report has over 2 million subscribers and over 800 million views on YouTube alone. And obviously, since he founded Locals, they partnered with Rumble, and he is now uh, on Rumble as well, and where he's really um, at the forefront of independent media, interviewing some of the top folks. Um, so I look forward to this conversation that you're going to see right now with a person who's not only great in terms of what they've been espousing, but he's been a great friend and supporter of me as I've made this transition. So... Let's get into it. Dave, thanks for joining us. Um, 
And I, I, I mean, a few days ago, you jumped back on the grid. As I said to the audience before you got on, you've done this annual ritual. What was the one thing that I think shocked you when you people started to be like, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened? <laughs> what was the thing that sort of, uh, you went, no way? So this was my seventh off the grid August. No phone, no TV, no news, no social media, no nothing. I have to say this was the weirdest one, partly because of the day that I saw you. So normally I take all of August off, but because the first Republican debate in Milwaukee was August 23rd uh, and Rumble was the, the official online streamer, and obviously I have uh, a lot to do with Rumble, I felt that I should be there for that. So I came back technically on the 23rd. And I have to say this year of all years, you know, usually I disappear. I'm in the rainforest in Mexico. I'm in Bora Bora. I'm staring at the ocean for a month. And I just come back to my studio and I start talking politics again. This year, and I saw you there in Milwaukee and we played cornhole and uh, I interviewed you. I thought you were interviewing <laughs> me. I mean, we didn't even know who was interviewing who when, when we did that show. Uh, but to go right back into the circus, to see all of the people, whether it's a Sean Spicer or, the, or Larry Elder or Governor DeSantis or the rest of the, all of the people who all seemed like almost cartoon characters. And I suppose I'm a cartoon character in this, in this game or in this uh, video game that we're all playing. Uh, to just go in at such a crazy level like a debate with all the, you know, Trump Jr. and, and fans and screaming and the energy and all that. Not, in terms of the news, honestly, not much. Yeah, Trump got indicted again. Pee Wee Herman died. I was upset about that. I was going to ask uh, you about that. Mark that one off. <laughs> yeah, as a, as a child of the 80s, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the red bike, there is no basement of the Alamo. Uh, but no, nothing in terms of the news changed that much. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And that's partly why I do this thing, because guys like us, especially, and for our viewers that, that consume politics and media the way we do, you know, it's a hamster wheel. And yeah. you're running and running and running. If you don't get off that wheel every now and again, but the you're thing, just going to spin out of control. The thing that I thought was interesting is you were talking about this on your show on Tuesday that you didn't even bring books this time. Um, and no. I've, I've actually enjoyed now, again, I know you're with your kids, but I have found that I enjoy just immersing myself into a book or two, some fiction, some not just to kind of, to your point, pl get, pl which is what, so I kind of was like, oh my gosh, without books, like I like that part going on vacation, just being like, I'm going to go sit read for a couple hours, even some trashy magazines. Um, wh what did you, I mean, what is, the, uh, that to me, I thought was sort of a, an intriguing aspect uh, of this year's trip. Yeah, well, this was the first time that I ever did that because August is usually when I catch up on right. books. I mean, like you, I'm, I'm talking to great authors all the time and politicians and philosophers and scientists, all these people. And I simply, you know, back in the day when my show first started and, I, and it wasn't, I suppose, quite as big or whatever you want to say, I had a little more time to read everybody's book before I interviewed them. You know, now it's tough. I get a synopsis. I try to read a little bit before. So usually in August, that's where I would just plow through everything that I, I wanted to get through. I, I could read six or eight or 10 books in August. Now this year, oh, for whatever- okay, speed reader. I, I'm, a, I'm lucky I'm a, to get through one and I'm like, you know, I can read 10. <laughs> no, no, I, 10 might be pushing it. Though. No, 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 that's one every three days. No, no, no. I, I could get through a good six or seven books in a month okay. if, I'm, if I'm really focused. Keeping in mind that I'm not doing anything else and I'm just sitting on the beach for hours. This year, however, I just really felt like, and maybe this is because we have uh, two young sons and this whole year has been very, very different and our downtime has, you know, basically evaporated. I just, I got to the beach laid out my towel, put the umbrella up, stared at the ocean. And I yeah. did that day after day after day. And as you probably heard me say on the show, I kind of viewed my, my brain as like a file, 
a file folder and I was just purging unnecessary information, just thinking about things and like, don't need to think about that anymore. Working through problems, don't have to think about that anymore. And I, and I feel very refreshed and hopefully that'll give me, you know, some renewed energy to get into this uh, political fight that we're in all the time. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned the show, congratulations, 10 years. Um, and you got this beautiful new studio, um, and a, a new camera angle, which I thought was, you know, I, again, I'm just saying. Can we show them the new camera angle? We can't show it to you right oh, now. I think, I, yeah, I, you but, know what, I was going to, I don't want to push the limits here, but I think we're very familiar with the camera angle here at, at the Sean Spicer show. Uh, oh, it's the old Sean Spicer cam. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we got the same thing going. But the thing that was interesting when I heard you walk through, you know, you started at Young Turks, you left there, but you really gave your audience a sense of, of, when the show blew up in the, in the sense of new media. And I, I, you talked about Tucker and what he's been able to do and showed that clip. And I find it fascinating as someone who's jumped into it, that it's interesting because the number one question I get, um, when I said I was leaving Newsmax and I'm doing this thing is what channel are you on? Now mm -hmm. I'm very blessed that we're able to have, we have a deal with the first. And so if you have direct TV, it's on channel 347 and, uh, to, to join people like Liz Wheeler and Bill O'Reilly and Jesse Kelly. Uh, so I, I'm blessed that I kind of can live in a little of both worlds, but part of why I thought this was so important and you and I have talked about it. You've been very supportive and helpful is the, the clip that you played with Tucker when he was talking to Dave Portnoy. And it was this sense of, uh, of freedom. And I think that that's something that I'm slowly coming into my own to learn, like the idea that there's no, there's no one behind me. Um, and I, I just, what have you learned over those 10 years? Because to me, I feel like it's this balance of what does the audience want to hear? What's going to pay the bills and, and how do we, how do we grow this? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking the question because it's something that I suppose if I did anything right in all these years, it was just that, you know, I realized very early on, uh, when you've got guys like Tucker going independent now and say Joe Rogan going independent, even a guy like Bill Maher, who especially now during the writer's strike is not doing real time, he's doing his independent podcast, guys like you and plenty of others that are that are seeing this new vision. I think one of the things that I saw early was, hey, wait a minute, if I'm doing something valuable, why am I doing that for somebody else? Right. And as technology started to change and I'm going, wait a minute, anyone can get on YouTube Anyone can buy a camera, anyone could buy a light, anyone could probably figure out a room in their house to make something work. Now, I've been blessed to be around some good people who have helped me, particularly with this beautiful studio in right now, build incredible facilities. And also because of the success of the show, we've been able to reinvest in, in a major way. So I'm not saying anyone can build this, but literally anyone watching your show right now, if you've got something valuable to say uh, and, and you're not afraid to say it, you can sign up for Rumble, for Locals, for YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, and get your stuff out to the world. It doesn't mean you're going to make a living. It doesn't mean that it's going to work. You might get a lot of hate, but you have a chance. And, and that clip that you referenced of Tucker on my show from five years ago, I mean, it really was one of the best moments in my career because think about it. I have the guy who is the number one rated host in the history of cable news, history. He beat Bill O'Reilly. I've been on Bill O'Reilly when it was number one on Fox years ago but the number one cable news show in the history of television. He comes into my garage, my garage, and I will bleep out the, uh, the curse, but he goes, holy effing blank, you did it. 
Meaning he saw that what I was doing was blazing the future. That was five years ago and now he's doing it now. So that's, that's a beautiful sort of right. full circle moment for me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, you know, if you, if you, had, if you could think ahead five years, not about necessarily Dave Rubin and, and the Rubin Report, but where we are, I mean, I, I look at when people ask me, why I made this decision, I, I say it's a, it's a simple math equation. 32% of Americans now have cable or satellite. That number continues to go down. Um, more and more people are streaming. And so I look at it and, and they want their information on appointment. They want to watch you know, the, the show when they want to watch it. Um, and maybe they watch it live. Maybe they listen to it on audio and then they listen to part of it on Rumble or YouTube. But if you could kind of look ahead five years, do you think that cable news completely collapses in the next five no. years and it's, no? No, I don't think it does. I think conventional wisdom is that it will, but you've really got to understand, and I think Sean, as a, as a DC guy and a guy who's been to the swamp and been through the machine and all of that, I think you understand this. The, the thing, I always call it the machine. You can call it whatever you want. If you want to call it the swamp, the matrix, whatever. It finds a way to survive. And there are an awful lot of people, even, even right now as we're talking, uh, Sean, this week, you know, they seem to, COVID seems to be back. Yeah. And it's like, that, now that may seem crazy to me because it was crazy to me in the first place. That may seem crazy to you or the people watching or listening to us, but a certain amount of people buy what the system sells. So cable TV will not just go away in five years. The, the professional lying managerial class on MSNBC and CNN will not just disappear. But what will happen is that the tables will continue to turn. You know, one of the things that I always talk about on the show is, you know, there's a reason that for two years, CNN was constantly going after Joe Rogan and calling him racist and alt-right. And It wasn't because they believed he was racist or alt-right or scary or was sharing COVID misinformation or anything else because CNN shared far more COVID misinformation than Joe Rogan. The reason was that the average CNN show maybe gets 100,000 viewers and it's on at airports and God knows where else. People are watching it on mute or passively paying attention <laughs> if they're paying attention at all. And Rogan is getting millions and millions right. of viewers on every single show. So they're not going after him because they're outraged over the information. They're outraged over the reach. And I think that's happening now to, to many of us. And, and I think what we can do is keep building and doing something right. And believe me, it'll be a great day. I'm sure you feel it too. The day that we all feel, boy, it is completely ludicrous to have to play a clip of Joy Reid today. She has now become so irrelevant. And maybe we're there. Maybe we've crossed that threshold. I'm not quite sure. But these people are so irrelevant that we will, we do not even have to address them anymore. And we can pave a road to a, to a promised land. Well, I think that's that's where I think the problem is. I talked about this the other day that I'll hear some crazy statistic about something or the fact that, you know, efficacy of mass or whatever. And I'll say, I, I don't get it. Where are you hearing this from? Because here's the study. Well, MSNBC or CNN. And I think that there's enough people that still get their information and they rely on them. But it's to me, I, it's funny. I have these conversations with reporters, political reporters who will call me to talk about the cycle. And they, they are, they live in a world where they think, and this is no disrespect to Fox and I'm not trying to, but 
they, they go, well, on Fox, the only person they seem to care about is, you know, DeSantis. He's the flavor of the week. And I go, great. Who has Dave Rubin had on? Who has Tim Poole had on? Who has Joe Rogan had on? You know, who has Liz Wheeler had on? And I kind of start to list off all these people, whether it's the Daily Wire or Glenn Beck at the Blaze. But it's like, that's where I think the movement is. This is the tea party of today is independent media. I, I hope you're right. I think you're right. You know, actually, just uh, a little bit before we're taping this, I had Governor DeSantis on. We were actually supposed to, he was going to be my first in-studio guest in the new studio here in Miami, but unfortunately, because of the hurricane, uh, you know, he's he's in Tallahassee at the moment, which, by the way, he did such an incredible job, as he always does with these disasters, that the media couldn't even figure out a, a way to attack Yeah, that. Molly Hemingway brought um, that up. It's just like, it's like he's doing so well that they almost, for, between the Maui fire, Biden's disgraceful handling of that, and then this, it's like they, they, will, they won't show anything bad about Biden and they won't cover how well DeSantis is doing in Florida. Well, to slightly switch the topic, if you don't mind, I'll no. ask you one on this because it's something I've been thinking about. I think one of the things that, you know, if we're to believe the polls, and frankly, I don't believe the polls, and I certainly don't believe that national polls matter at this point because obviously you've got a primary, uh, a series of primaries for a reason, uh, and DeSantis is hitting all 99 counties in Iowa. Trump has not campaigned in over three weeks since August 12th, if I'm not mistaken. But one of the things that I've been thinking about is that in terms of what we're talking about with media and framing and how, you know, the medium is actually sort of more important than the truth to a certain extent, at least to a certain set of people. I think one of the things that DeSantis is struggling with a little bit is that we don't know how to deal with competency. I mean, <laughs> those of us in Florida who live it and breathe it are feeling it, but the machine itself, our desire to own people and cancel people and crush people and get viral clips out there and fight with people, he doesn't play into that because what he has done is, hey, this is my job, this is what I'm gonna do, I don't know about you, Sean, but I've never seen a politician in my life that has said, these are the things I'm going to do, has done them all, and then moved on to new things. He's the only one. Uh, and I think the weird thing about that is the media doesn't know what to do with it because they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no circus here. There's no affair. There's no crazy made up names about other people. Like, what do we do with this thing? And in a weird way, I think that that hurts him in the zeitgeist. Yeah, look, I, I will say this. I... I'm obviously a, a very loyal and supportive of President Trump. That being said, I think- Look, Governor, I vote, you know I voted for yeah, Trump. Yeah, you know, I, I know, Trump and, and, and yeah. I want to I talk about that in a minute because I you, you went somewhere and so I'm going with you. But I think sure. that Governor DeSantis has been an awesome governor. I think there's a reason that people are moving to Florida like you, you moved from California. He's doing a great job and he continues to show the competency that so many others- don't have the way he's handled this hurricane. And he did it with COVID. He did it with the last hurricane. Uh, so I don't have anything negative to say about Governor DeSantis or frankly, almost everyone else on that stage. Um, I, I think that we need more Governor DeSantis's that will stand up to woke media, that will exhibit a level of competency that's something that we can be proud of, uh, that, that stand up to the media, uh, which he does very effectively. But here's my question for you, because again, I, I didn't want to necessarily go there right away, but we were at the debate, and I want to get back to this because I want to talk to you about Rumble at the debate. But first sure. and foremost, he, here's the thing. Like I said, just to be clear on the narrative, I think that whether you like President Trump or not, uh, and I know you've been supportive in the past, the, the math to me is that the, what I have said all along, if, if President Trump runs the first four early states, the, you start to accumulate delegates, and, there's, and the, the, you cannot undo that. The only way that DeSantis wins, and I've had this conversation with his team who largely agree with me, if he doesn't win Iowa, 
and gets behind the eight ball, I don't see any path forward for him. So it's not a question of liking or disliking. It's a question of who, it's almost like agnostic. I, I can, you know, here are five football teams. Here's who the best passer is. Here are the best receivers. This team, as long, unless someone can show me they can dethrone them, is going to win the games. I just think that right now that President Trump is the guy that is so far ahead and his, his lead keeps climbing um, in both the early states and the national polls. So I guess my question to you is, is that for you, does it matter? Do you think that he's going to have some kind of insurgency or is it just a matter of principle? Yeah, well, look, first off, I'll agree with the premise that, you know, the best guy doesn't always win. The best guy for the job, the best basketball player doesn't always win MVP. There, there's all sorts of examples we can give of that thing. I think he's the most competent, clear, cogent leader that we've got. He's a lot younger, all of that stuff. Okay, people get that I that I support the guy. Um, I don't know that if he loses Iowa, it's over from there. But I do, I would agree in, in I would say, I would basically agree that, yeah, out of those first couple, you got Iowa, you got New Hampshire, you know, South Carolina, which is early, is a very weird one because assuming Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are still in, you've got a former governor and a sitting senator of a state. So that one's kind of just a complete mess. But DeSantis needs some early wins right. because, yes, if Trump gets a couple early wins, then then it starts getting really weird. But I would say this, and this is, you know, keep, I keep saying to everybody, patience, patience, because you, the polls can be whatever they want, but Sean, how many elections were you ever involved in in your life where the polls were wrong the next day? Look, we were told we were having a red wave not too long ago. That didn't happen. So look, if DeSantis wins Iowa, the next day, the entire oh, freaking oh, thing no, no. And is I, irrelevant. I, I totally is agree irrelevant. with you. Look, you're talking, yeah. you need about 50,000 people to win Iowa. DeSantis has a, I, look, I, I was out there at the state fair. I've talked to all the top operatives there. He's got a great operation. I, Trump has equally stepped up his operation out there from 2015. But this is an organizing state. If you think about who's won this, Santorum, Huckabee, Cruz. Uh, I mean, they go out there, they camp there. They, they, it's a ground effort. So I, I don't. I think that he's got a very decent shot of actually doing that. And I agree with your assessment. If he wins, the game is it's suddenly the cards get reshuffled. Um, right. But, but by the way, Sean, we should remember that the three guys that you just mentioned, Santorum, Huckabee and Cruz, none of them became the nominee. Right. No, so, no. Yeah. Oh, no, no. And I get that. I think that's the look. But I think there's a difference. No one ran against a former president that had twice before been the nominee. That being said, again, I mean, you look, I keep telling people, understanding the rules of the game are crucial. California changed how they allocate delegates. Right now, if Trump gets over 50%, he'll get all 169 delegates. You look at Super Tuesday, again, this is more looking at it from an analytical standpoint. It's like somebody saying, hey, this team kicks more field goals. It's like, great. If you can't score a touchdown, it's going to be hard to make up you know, at three points at a time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. And I, I think that's the thing. I want to get back to the debate for a second. Um, number one, just out of curiosity, what did you, you know, I don't know how many debates you've been to in the past. What did you think? I've been to a handful of debates over the years. Um, you know, my general takeaway, I mean, just we can quickly finish up the DeSantis thing and then yeah. I can address everybody else. My general take was that DeSantis was the winner because he said whatever he wanted to say. Basically, nobody went after him. You know, Vivek kind of chipped at him a little bit, but the crowd clearly wasn't into Vivek hand-waving and all that kind of stuff. 
so I thought that was good. It was obviously bizarre because the front runner, I do concede that Trump is the front runner. The front runner wasn't there. So, you know, that in and of itself made it very weird. Uh, and then the rest of them, it, it's kind of, look, to me, Vivek is basically running for a, a position on Celebrity Apprentice with Trump. <laughs> There's something going on there. I think that's what's happening there. Um, you know, Pence, Pence, I, Pence strikes me as a decent man who's who really at this point comes off more as a caricature of a Republican in The Simpsons in 1994. You know, when they would do what what is a blanket Republican? Like, that's what Pence is. I just don't know where the, the supporters are for him. I would say Christie... He knows he's not going to oh, be president, yeah. but he's he's just in there to attack Trump. I don't know what that really is all about. Does a donor back him to do that? I, I, I don't know what that is. Um, but I thought he had a pretty decent debate, all things. You know, he's he can speak off the cuff, right. which people do like. You know, he's very combative and then can suddenly be very kind of <laughs> pleasant and thoughtful. So I thought that was fine. You know, my dark horse this entire time has been Nikki Haley yeah. because, because I, my gut feeling is she probably won't become the nominee. But, you know, she gets up there, she's clear, she's cogent. She really does have an incredible, nobody attacks her track record as governor of South Carolina. She did an incredible job. And even for the Trump base, which seems to really dislike her uh, because of one remark about January 6th, you know, she was the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. That is the viper's nest of evil. We did not get into wars. Uh, she fought all of those really radical regimes all over the world and did a heck of a job. And I think over time, as long as, you know, she has a certain amount of support and the donors that'll come with her, she'll just keep staying around. And I, I don't know what that leads to. Maybe that's a VP position or something. Tim Scott, like, you know, I think he's got one or two more debates in him probably. Again, nice guy, good senator, but it's obviously not going to happen. Uh, then there were, I guess, the other two, Asa, we don't have to mention, and the guy that hurt himself playing basketball, who I, who I thought was a pretty decent debater. Right. But, you know, that's not going to happen. Did I forget anybody else? Who else? Um, I think, let's see. No, I think you got everybody. I was just going through, yeah, you got Tim Scott. Mike Pence is the only one you didn't mention. No, no. Well, Pence, I'm saying he's just sort of the Simpsons oh. Republican kind of thing. So, no, so, you know, so that's really, so to me, it's, it, it, it's Trump and DeSantis. And, and one other thing on that. Has there ever, please, you, you can enlighten me on this, in the history of politics, not only American politics, the history of world politics and the history of history, has there ever been a situation where we're to believe that the front runner is up by 50 points and relentlessly spends all day attacking the number two guy instead of the other way around? I mean, that's why I'm saying the dynamics right now are so bizarre that anyone who is on television or on the media, YouTube, Rumble, wherever, telling you that they know what is going to happen is by definition lying. Oh, I get it. And that's why, but I think one of the things that I, I've said as the caveat to that is where I have a big problem with sometimes punditry is they don't understand how the game is played. They don't understand the thresholds that each state has, how many yep. delegates it takes to win. And it's, you know, it goes back to my football analogy where people are like, well, he did really well at this debate. And I'm like, who cares? If you don't have delegates, if you don't get to about 1,400 delegates, you don't become the nominee. It was like Trump in the 2015-2016 uh, cycle when we went down to the convention. All these people were telling me how they were going to have these motions on the floor. And I'm like, do you want me to read to you the rules of the convention? Like, it doesn't work that way. And they'd be well, like, well, we're going to make a motion. Like, it's a student council meeting. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can make a motion. And the parliamentarian will rule it down because, you know, the delegates are bound in this way and da 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 and, but but everybody thinks that somehow that they they've cracked the code. And it's like before you want to crack the code, read the rule book and understand how the game is played. 
You know, Sean, not only the rule book, but there's also another piece of this, which is, you know, someone might win a debate right. on any given day. Someone might win a debate. Someone might lose a debate. The real question is how many people ever Move have the watched needle. a debate and then been like, you know what, that debate, that guy so convinced me I'm switching. And that number is very slim. It's one of the things I talk about in my show all the time. It's like, we can all argue about politics and this policy, that policy, the other thing. We got to figure out who are the people that actually can move. One, one constituency that I think is actually movable right now are the disaffected libs. The guys like me from, say, eight years ago, the, the Bill Maher types who get it on free speech. They get how crazy the left has gone. Now, Bill may always vote Democrat. He may be a lost cause. But the people who like him, they suddenly, I think, are the ones that might be able to move. It's not like you're going to take the most hardcore MAGA Republican and he's suddenly going to vote for Joe Biden or the woke progressive right. is going to suddenly vote for Ron DeSantis. you got to figure out who are the people that can move. And by the way, that's another reason that DeSantis strikes me as a better candidate. I can tell you, being here in Florida, I meet neighbors all the time who are refugees from New York, Connecticut, Cali, like me, et cetera. Most of them say, was a Democrat my whole life, first time uh, Republican voter right here in the free state of Florida. So there's evidence. And I, and I think that's the type of thing that we should all be looking for. Yeah. And I think that, that there's, that's, what's going to really shape. I think the general, I think the primary is going to be who gets those folks out. By the way, I had this total brain thought as you were talking, you said celebrity apprentice. I was like, wait a second. What if we gather up like Herschel Walker, Dr. Oz, uh, and we do and like after this election, tell Trump, you know, it's all of your political people who come, you know, I think it's like the people you endorse versus the people who get against them. So on one side, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence have a team and then it's Herschel Walker and Oz and whoever else he endorsed, Blake, McMa Blake Masters. Anyway. Wouldn't that be a beautiful ending to the Trump story? <laughs> like maybe we don't need this fight anymore. Dr. Like Oz, let, DeSantis, let DeSantis take it and go do a reality show with Dr. Oz, well, Herschel Walker. We could bring back Gary Busey. It doesn't have to be all celebrity. Uh, it doesn't well, have to be I, all politicians. You know? See, you're just trying to, t this is where I think the idea works though. But anyway, I digress for a second. I want to get back if I can to that. So you know, I know that through locals, you've got this partnership and ownership into to Rumble. It was really cool to see Rumble as part of the debate, as a partner. Um, to the extent that you can, can you share what was Rumble's involvement in the debate? And do you think it was it was a good thing? Meaning, did they get something out of it? Sure. Well, just to be clear about the what my relationship is at this point. So I started Locals.com, which obviously is the subscription service that, that I'm on, that you're on, that many other people are on. Uh, which we were competing with Patreon. We just wanted, we wanted creators, whatever you create, whether it's politics or you're a gamer or unboxer or whatever you are, we wanted you to own the data. We wanted you to own the email lists, you to be able to communicate directly with your people. It's a much better uh, product than Patreon. Uh, the folks at Rumble saw that and we merged companies. So that was how we sort of started working together. It, I think it was a beautiful moment that Rumble, rather than YouTube, got the rights to, I think, if I'm not mistaken, all of the Republican debates. So Rumble will be the exclusive streamer of, I don't know how many Republican debates there are, uh, but, but that's a beautiful thing because we desperately need some alternative pipes. Uh, you know, even if, uh, let's say, you're not too worried about free speech, which you should be, uh, there is a major issue in this country related to too few companies controlling way too much information. 
So the fact that Rumble is now a legitimate competitor with YouTube, and by the way, you know, people think of Rumble only as a YouTube competitor, meaning a video competitor, uh, but Rumble is building out and, and will be really fully launching it in 24, a full cloud service. So, you know, Amazon AWS is what is the underbelly of the internet that everyone's running their websites right. on. Even Twitter is on there. Uh, so that means at any moment, Amazon can, I don't know if it's a swipe or a lever or a button, I don't know what they do, but they can do something and they can blow up your company like that. And that's exactly what they did to Parler after January 6th. Rumble is offering competitive services to that. So that is what we need if any of us who don't believe in groupthink, who who maybe have, let's say, some more conservative ideas or values, if, if we're going to survive this digital age, this is exactly what we need. So I'm I'm thrilled with what we've been building. But the thing that I find fascinating, I agree with you. I mean, I, I feel like conservatives acquiesce um, to, to these platforms, right? I read all the time Politico and it's like exclusive from the Republican National Committee. They gave us this. Why are we, like, I, I just feel like to some degree there's, there is a, a lack of support the family, right? Um, I think, you know, as you know, I'm on Locals. I think it's a great place to to communicate with folks, to build something, but you also can feel safe and know that you've got people on there that are like-minded. Um, but too often, I, I feel like conservatives are still like, well, I had to go on Morning Joe and I had to go. And it's like, no, you didn't. That you could go on, you know, Dan Bongino or Dave Rubin or and have a bigger impact. And, and I, I just wonder, are we doing enough on our side to support ourselves? Yeah, I, you know, I think you can argue it either way, especially when it comes to whether you should do those shows or not. Look, every now and again, for example, you remember uh, what was it, about four months ago, Ted Cruz went on The View and sat down with those harpies and they started asking him about election interference and Trump election denial. And he goes into his pocket. It's a really beautiful moment. He takes out a piece of paper and he starts listing all of the times that Democrats have denied the election, including Hillary saying Trump was an illegitimate president and everything else. So sometimes going into the viper's nest is worthwhile. On the other hand, you you keep them alive by going there. Right. I think I think this is a bit of a a, a catch twenty two when it comes to the Trump DeSantis thing. Trump, on one hand, was right. It is the fake news CNN. It is the failing New York Times. Uh, they they are not worth the paper that they're printed on in case in the case of the Times. But he constantly will talk to Maggie Haberman. He will keep doing town halls on CNN. So he hates the machine, deservedly so, and then he feeds the machine. DeSantis has done it a little differently where he's really been starving the machine. I, I think one of the best moments of DeSantis's, this was before he was campaigning, so when he was just governor. Remember when uh, we had this whole brouhaha here in Florida about the African-American studies course? Yeah. Uh, and, and there was an AP African-American studies course that DeSantis uh, basically banned. It was one course because they were going to teach woke gender ideology right. in the course that had nothing to do with African-American studies. So the, the media, of course, goes crazy with it. Kamala Harris says she, that Florida, no one's going to learn about slavery, blah, 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 a whole bunch of lies. And Andrea Mitchell, who has yes. been on NBC, you probably know her. She's been on NBC News for 40 years. She starts saying all of these lies. Why is Florida racist? Florida is not going to teach about slavery. So DeSantis's campaign, they basically said, hey, Andrea, until you uh, retract these lies, we are not going to be on NBC. And as far as I know, he has not been on no, NBC no. since then. You, you missed it. While you were away, he did. He That, they, that was- Oh. A, yep. There you go. I get, right. to, I get to enlighten you. But I agree so did with they, you. Did, oh, she did. Well, she offered no, a half she, of an apology. She didn't apologize. He went on it. I agree. It's sort of a half and half. He he did this interview, I think it was with Dasha Burns, 
they made a big deal out of the fact that he had she had not really apologized. But I agree with you. I, I and I'm with you. I, I I think that sometimes Trump complains about it and then he gives them the gas to go. Um, yeah. And and so where's that balance? But I I feel like sometimes on the right, like I look at the rest of these debates coming up, and I keep half joking that we've done Fox, we've done Fox Business. I'm sure it'll be Fox Nation. And then Alabama when they do the next one. But at some point, the problem is, is that they could have said, we're doing the next one on Rumble. Um, we're doing the next one with the Blaze, with the First, uh, with the Daily Wire. I would have been happy. I support conservative media. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if we're going to choose a Republican nominee, it's a very different tactic than a general election. I, in a general election, I'm, I am go everywhere, spread your message, grow the party, grow your candidacy. While you're running to be the nominee of the party and the only people you care about are Republican primary and caucus goers, then focus on that. And the idea that the RNC would sanction debates with a CNN or an NBC when you could have sanctioned a debate. And I, I, my workaround, in case you haven't heard it, is any debate that would have been carried could have been simulcast on C-SPAN so that mm-hmm. anyone could have had it. But I feel like that we, there's a missed opportunity on the right to grow the importance of, of you know, the, the, the left had no problem coddling up to MSNBC, and yet we feel like we've got to take care of them. Well, look, I, the best I can say to that is you are now independent. I am independent. Daily Wire is building something really nice. You mentioned a couple others, including The Blaze and The First, et cetera. So there, these institutions are growing. The right. numbers are indicative of that. You know, I'm, I'm pulling in bigger numbers than virtually any CNN show, and I've got, you know, a handful of guys that work for me, and I'm very proud of that. Um, we just have to keep going and doing. And really what you're referencing is the fact that uh, the right lost the culture war and we have to accept that. We, we lost the culture war a long time ago. So the machinery that exists is part of the left. You cannot expect to go on CNN if you were to watch a, let's say a, a Democrat debate and a Republican debate. If, if let's say on this given year, there were gonna be both. If Biden wasn't the incumbent, you were gonna have both. We know it's not, this isn't even a question. They would treat the Democrats far differently than they would treat the Republicans. So yes, should you pull the plug on that and never be there? Perhaps. I, you know, there's pull, push and pull on this. I, I don't know exactly what the right answer is. You know, just out of curiosity, getting back to Trump and Rumble, I know Don Jr. was out there. He's got a show on Rumble. Did you guys, you guys have been friendly in the past. Did, did your supported DeSantis come up at all? Did you guys cross paths? Uh, yeah, well, we did cross paths. He was sitting literally the seat right in front of me within within arm's reach at the debate. I tapped him on the shoulder. Don, how you doing? He knew I was off the grid. He asked me how Mexico's doing, uh, Mexico was. He asked me how the kids are doing. He was in Alaska for a bit. We, we chat, you know, the debate was about to start. So we had three or four minutes. We were totally cool. There, there wasn't even the slightest hint of, of anger yeah. or resentment or anything else. And, and just to tell you a little bit about, about Don and, and Ivanka specifically, because I've become friendly with her as well. I texted both of them separately, uh, I don't know, four months ago or so, right after DeSantis got involved. And I said, look, just FYI, we may be on the opposite sides politically for a little bit, but uh, you know, I put friendship above politics and that's the way I've always behaved and the way I'll continue to behave. And they have both immediately on their own accord responded to me with something very similar. So look, it, politics gets nasty. But man, if you're going to decide your friends by politics or decide who your friends are, aren't no, going to no, be. No, no, no. And I'm, uh, I'm glad. Gonna, look, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I think to me, look, I've been around long enough. I know what I believe in, what I stand for, what I'm willing to fight for. I get some people aren't, aren't going to be with me 100% or even 10% sometimes. Uh, I learned that working for Trump. 
Um, and so, well, I, but, but I don't, I mean, I, the funny thing is I love our side is always the one that is the tolerant one. I get more people walk by me. Like, I can't believe you did this. And I'm like, you know what, do you, th- do you know what I think Joe Biden has done to this country and our policy and our national security? And yet I don't walk up to anybody and say that, uh, I probably should. I mean, I just, I'm like, I'm sorry for you. Like, I feel if you think that Joe Biden is doing a good job and moving the country in the right direction, I actually feel bad for you. Uh, but I, I can't stand the, these folks on the left that, um, that have to make everything so personal and vitriol is just, it, it's, it truly is sad. Well, look, Sean, if I've learned anything on my, uh, this is, we're starting the 11th season now, so 10 years of doing this show. If I've learned anything, it's that what I, what I thought to be true, not just in terms of, okay, I, I changed a bit on economics or some of the cultural stuff or, or whatever the politics part of it was. It was that the side that purports to be tolerant is wildly yes. intolerant. And the side that is not really thought of as tolerant, you know, the, the, generally people on the right, conservatives, don't put tolerance as the t- at the top of their hierarchy. It's in there somewhere, you know, respect for minorities, et cetera. But tolerance is not thought of as the top of the hierarchy, which by the way, tolerance shouldn't be. You know, the left says that tolerance is the highest thing that you can, the highest sort of ideal, although that's not really the way they behave. But tolerance, of course, should not be the highest ideal. The highest ideal should be purpose and drive and and belief and things of that nature. Because if tolerance is your highest ideal, you will tolerate anything. And that's basically what the woke has wrought unto the, the entire world right now. But what I have found is that conservatives who don't talk about tolerance that often actually behave tolerantly. I've gone to places like Liberty University, the largest evangelical college in the United States. 14,000 kids attend their weekly convocation on Sundays. And I spoke there. I am married to a man. I am begrudgingly pro-choice. These are things that they know about me that we discussed on stage. I got a standing ovation, spent the day wandering around campus, getting high fives and taking selfies with these kids. So one side says it, one side actually practices it. And that's very clearly where, uh, why I've ended up where I've ended up. All right, speaking of where you've ended up, I wanna end this by this. Uh, You just mentioned you got a brand new studio, you're entering your 11th year. What's something that I should know that'll get me to my 11th year that you sit back and think, uh, (laughs) be smart about this. O'Reilly said, O'Reilly told me, don't say at the end of the day anymore which I am constantly catching myself on. And the other thing that O'Reilly told me was, uh, is don't ever ask somebody, what do you think about that? He said, it's a lame way of asking a question. So I've got my O'Reilly advice. What's my Dave Rubin advice for making it 11 years? I don't know that you need advice from me, my friend, but what I would say, well, look, there's always like little gimmicks like that. And we all have like certain phrases we repeat often. And you're like, ah, why did I say that again? I just said it and all that kind of stuff. I would say one thing that's made me a better broadcaster really more than anything is over the years, as I started saying what I thought and I started getting hate for it, at some point, I don't know that it was a moment or a flip of a switch or what, but at some moment, I really just stopped caring what my haters thought. And when I stopped caring, I just started saying what I think. And then I can go on a show on virtually any show. And I always tell people, you can ask me whatever you want to ask. You know, a lot of interviewers, you don't do this, Sean, but a lot of interviewers, they say, well, here are the 10 things I want to talk about. And do you want to discuss this, this, this? I always say to people, you could ask me whatever you want. Like I am skilled enough that if you were to ask me something that is so off of my range, I'll figure out a way out. (laughs) So I (laughs) I think the best thing that you can do, and you already have this, Sean, if you know what you believe, and you're not afraid of saying it, you will say it, you will communicate it in an honest way, and eventually 
people will will appreciate you for that. So I think you're going to be okay, my friend. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Dave Rubin, thanks for being with us, especially I'm sure you're still learning about what happened while you were away. Congrats on the new studio, the 11th year. Uh, and I appreciate all your counsel and advice as we move forward. Good to see you, Sean. All right. I enjoyed that conversation. I always do, but I love Fridays when we can have a little bit more time with people that, uh, that are good to chat with and get some insight from. And, um, you know, I don't agree with everybody and everything that they say, as you can imagine, um, and I don't think you will either. But I always think that it's good to bring people on and have these conversations about what's going on, especially Dave's expertise in independent media. Um, he's been at the forefront, as I said at the beginning of this interview, but he's been super helpful. He's a good friend. Uh, he's supportive. Uh, and he's been successful. That's the other thing, right? He built this locals community. And then I joined it, seanspicer.locals.com. And it's, it's, it's a great because you don't have to be over on the liberal stuff, Patreon, Substack. You can actually be somewhere that supports conservatives. And I, I love that. Uh, speaking of sites that are helpful, obviously locals is great, seanspicer.locals.com. But reminder again, if you didn't at the beginning, shame on you, but guess what? It's the weekend. No excuses. No excuses. You got Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, to go to Rumble, YouTube, Spotify and Apple. And again, if you can just do any of those, but all four would be super helpful. Uh, that would be really appreciated, uh, especially as we head into the weekend. Uh, I know you hopefully have a little extra time, but I do want to thank you. We've seen tremendous growth and it's because of you. This is independent media. This is what Dave and I were talking about. There's no big marketing team. This is it. You are the marketing team. You're sharing it. I walked in someone the other day that said, I love your show. A friend of mine shared it with you, with me. And that's because of people like you. And thank you for that. This is a big leap. I don't have a W-2 anymore from a network. It's all about you guys. And I appreciate your support of our sponsors and everything that we're doing. I appreciate the first. But this was a big leap. And Dave was right. Um, it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, it's great not to be to have to answer to somebody else, but it's your support that allows us to continue. So thank you very much for that. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you right back here on Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.